Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. Also during this time, we want to personally invite you to attend Harvest Baptist Church this weekend. We have two services Sunday morning, the first at 9 a.m., the second at 11 a.m., and you can attend either service. The usual COVID-19 safety protocols will be in place. We also have a live stream during our 9 a.m. service, which you can find on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, Spec Detectives. Let's begin by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. It's hard to believe we've been in the Sermon on the Mount now for a few months and have been through Matthew chapter 5. We just finished up Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to launch into the last chapter of this series we've been calling Jesus Changes Everything. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. And this is the text where he goes on to talk about, in fact, if you're listening, you, you might be familiar with the idea of don't worry about the speck in somebody else's eye if you have a beam, you know, a big board in your own eye. So we're going to talk this Sunday morning about what does that mean and what it doesn't mean. So I think Jesus gives us some very practical advice and application for the church and even for our own relationships with other people. So we'd invite you to join us this Sunday morning. Again, as Chris mentioned, the services at 9 and then at 11 o'clock as well. Well, we're super excited around here because we're just coming off our missions conference, and it has been a great week at Harvest Baptist Church and really all across our ministries. I'm pleased to be able to welcome onto Harvest Time uh, Pastor Brian Trainer. Pastor Brian was with us on our first Sunday, on the first day of the missions conference. Unfortunately, not here with us in person because of quarantine and COVID, but he was willing to come live stream. And so, Pastor Brian, thank you for doing that, and, and welcome to Harvest Time. Uh, half a day, Pastor Gary. It's great to be there. Obviously, would love to be on the island, but it's great to be able to join you in by technology. Well, we would like you to be here, too. And, uh, we, you know, you and I both, as we came to the point where we realized that uh, you probably couldn't spend two weeks in a hotel be- before coming to the conference, and we had to cancel that in person. I, I was disappointed. I think you were, too. We'll try again another time to have you out here. But really, I do thank you for being willing. I, I know that doing it live stream is more complicated and took a significant amount of your time. So thank you for being willing to serve us and minister to us in those messages. Uh, my, my joy, absolutely. Pastor Trainer is on the staff at Lakewood Baptist Church in Milwaukee, or the Milwaukee area, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Pastor, how long have you been there? And maybe you tell us real quick about that church. It's a, I think you were there as a church plant, and it began a few years ago. Yeah, we'd love to tell the story of Lakewood. Lakewood was established about 11 and a half years ago. It actually started, I was, I was teaching at a local Bible uh, university, and one of my students, at that point in time, he was a 22-year-old, and I uh, came into my office and simply said, you know, Brian, I'd love to be able to start a church in the area, but I feel like I need someone to join me that's a little bit older than I am. So we, we talked about it, prayed about it, and about six months later, I actually started with a small Bible study with three families in a home. 
then moved to a local hotel and opened it up for the public. And from there, God has just been so incredibly gracious. We, right now, we're, again, about 11 and a half years old, running about 550 as far as numbers are concerned. Mm. The numbers are only part of the story, even as, as you said. A lot of what you do, even on this show, is just share the stories of members of Harvest. And I'd love to take the next several hours and share the stories of folks from Lakewood that within the course of the last 11 years have accepted Christ, have been baptized, have made significant spiritual decisions in their life. So it's great to see a group of believers gather, many of whom are first-generation believers, no knowledge of the gospel uh, until they came. And so it's, it's been an exciting journey just to see what God has done, and more than anything, to stay out of His way and let Him do the work. Yeah, that's exciting to hear God working in that area. You know, God's working here, and sometimes we think around the globe and wonder where are the other areas that God is working, and so we're thankful for that ministry and and what God's doing there and your involvement. I know that you could talk about that for a few hours, and I'd be interested in it, too. I got lots of questions about what God's doing there. But let's talk—I want to talk with you primarily about missions as we're connected with our missions conference. But maybe you could introduce us to that by telling us a little bit about your life story, your relationship with Jesus, your spiritual growth. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, I would love to. I actually grew up in a home where uh, my mom and my, and my dad were married when they were 18 and 19 years old. And neither one was a follower of Jesus Christ. And right after they got married, my mom accepted Christ. And so from the time that I was born, I was the, the second of three children, I was familiar with the gospel, simply because my mother every Sunday morning drugged me out of bed and called me off to church, mm-hmm. whether I wanted to go or not. And I, looking back, obviously, I have deep appreciation for that. I watched her pray for me every day. I watched my younger sister accept Christ and see the transformation in her life, and then my older brother did the same. Uh, But for me personally, it really wasn't until I was 19 years old. The freshman in college, a friend of mine had actually challenged me to read through the Gospel of Matthew. I sat down and I read through the entirety of it. I was so intrigued by it, I went back, started reading it a second time, and got to Matthew 18, and there's a parable there that speaks about a hundred sheep, and 99 of them are in the fold where they ought to be, and one sheep is lost. And the shepherd goes to look for that one sheep. And the point of the parable is that Jesus is looking for those that are lost. Hmm. And I knew at that point in time that I did not have a relationship with Christ, and I was condemned to hell because of my sin. And so I actually, as a freshman in college, crawled out of my bed after 11 o'clock, and my salvation prayer was simply, Lord, I surrender. And I was just acknowledging my own sinfulness, asking Christ to come and to forgive me of my sin, and that I would put my faith and trust in Him alone. And obviously that that changed my whole life at that point in time. From that point forward, the only thing I could think of was just, how could I serve the Lord? And so I was in a Bible college and continued to study for ministry, and really started from a spiritual perspective, just reading the Word, just simple spiritual disciplines of reading the Word, spending time in prayer, And then I think probably the most influential thing in my life was God surrounded me with men who cared about me, they loved me, they confronted me, they served me, they pushed me forward in my spiritual growth. And it's really on the the backs of those men that I see today, because they, they very much encouraged me to pursue Christ and Christ alone as far as my life is concerned. I've always loved that story of the 99 and the 1, and... 
of Jesus searching for us. And I've always been drawn to the idea that he would he would be willing to leave, I mean, 99 sheep because he valued so much that one. And I think each of us see ourselves as that one, that God loved us enough that he, he valued our lives enough to give his son for us. It's really an amazing idea. Yeah, and in, in my life, I had heard the story of the gospel multiple times and had rejected it. Hmm. And there was a certain sense in which I thought, you know, God's given up on me. Right. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't give up on people, that, that he keeps looking for those that are lost. And that certainly was the story of my life. Well, and I love also the way that you've talked about men coming alongside you and helping you along the path. I know, I'm guessing, your experience there at Lakewood, our experience has been as well, that the church is such an important part, and having godly mentors in our life is such an important part. I talked to too many people that have grown up at some point, started going to a church, and maybe made a profession of faith. They've given their lives to Jesus but for one reason or another, they never really had anybody that came along beside them and helped them, you know, get up when they'd fallen down or push them forward when they had felt like, you know, taking some steps back. And so you end up just sort of floating along. You're a Christian, but you don't really feel like you've grown any. I think that story has played out all too often across Christianity. And I love to hear the stories of others who've had people come along beside them. Yeah, I mean, even with as you mentioned, within the context of Lakewood, one of the things that we emphasize is just having a friend that on a weekly basis you sit down and you just read the Bible with them. Yeah. And so in a given week, I have 10 minutes that I sit down and all I do is I just read the Bible and pray. We keep it simple. Sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's 45. But just that weekly contact is an encouragement to me. It pushes me forward and then hopefully it's an encouragement to them also. Yeah, I love that. You told a great story on Sunday, I think it was Sunday morning, about meeting your wife. Could you share that with us? Sure. After I was saved, again, prepared for ministry and went through my, my preparation. But one of the things I was praying for, I was saying, Lord, I, I need a wife. And, and God just seemingly wasn't providing. And so as I was pursuing various ministries, pastors would look at me and say, Brian, you Thanks for applying, but you need to find a wife first. <laughs> Quite honestly, there, there was a level of uh, discouragement, a, a little level, level of bitterness within my own soul. I just thought, well, Lord, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, so I can't just create a wife. So on one given Sunday, I was actually speaking in a church, and I was a guest speaker, and right before I got up to speak, the pastor leaned over to me, and he said, that girl over there, is uh, she's going to sing before you speak. And I looked at the pastor, and quite honestly, there was a, a look of disdain on my face, and I said, well, she's going to take four minutes of my time. <laughs> and he kind of smiled, he said, if you need to go on, you can go on. And she got up to sing, and her name was Sherry, and she just had the ability to communicate God's truth and song in such a way that it just penetrated the heart. And I realized after hearing her sing that no one in that other story wanted to hear me speak. They just wanted her to keep going. They didn't need your extra four uh, minutes, after, huh? But no, I, I was ready to. I was ready to go to the pulpit and say, "Why don't we just close in prayer right now?" And that's mm. about all we all needed to do. After the service, someone who didn't know either one of us came up to me and said, "You two make a beautiful couple." And I think he assumed that we were married since we were both guests. And I, I smiled and I said, "You know, I, I don't even know who she is." <laughs> and 
you need to take care of that problem. <laughs> so within a period of, uh, actually prayed about it, within a period of, of a couple weeks, I asked her on a date, and she said no. She, she had other plans, and ultimately she graciously agreed. And we actually, uh, we had three dates, and then the Lord sent me to India, and I lived in India for six months. I wrote her every day that I was in India. Hmm. Just kind of told her what was going on on that particular day. And I came back from India, and three days after I got back, I got on my knees, and I asked her if she'd marry me. Hmm. And we only had three dates. We'd only been in the same country for three weeks together. And I had no money, having just gotten back from the mission field. So I couldn't give her a diamond ring. The only thing I gave her, I gave her a dozen roses, in Amy Carmichael's biography, A Chance to Die. <laughs> I simply said, if you, if you choose to marry me, this is what you get. You get a chance to die. Mm. And uh, she very graciously said yes, and now it's been almost 30 years, and she's been an incredible partner for me as I, as I walk through the path of life and as we serve together. So, but, wonderful gift to the Lord. Yeah, and it's a great story of, of God's provision and the one that, God intended for you that would walk beside you through, I think, a pretty interesting life, and a life, even as you said, you were committed at that time of giving it to God, whatever he would ask you to do. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that. You said you're kind of 25 years old. How did God shape your life burdens and use those things to direct your path? Yeah, after I accepted Christ, the only thing that I could really focus on, I, you know, I thought about business and I thought about other professions, uh, but what I wanted to do, I, I would say that the primary thing that was um, laying upon my heart was just the desire to communicate God's Word, whether that was in a preaching context or in a teaching context or just in a reading context. Uh, that was what was really motivating me. Now, with that being said, I, I also had some significant speech challenges. Hmm. I stuttered. I had a lisp. And so, again, one of my teachers in college came alongside me and basically said, Brian, if you preach like that, it's going to be one of the most painful experiences for everyone that hears you. <laughs> and so she actually pulled me aside and spent about two years working with me, helping me develop to the point where I could actually speak in a way that wasn't too, too terribly painful. At least. And so the combination of her work within my life and, and those men that were pouring within me the, the love of communicating God's Word provided an opportunity to think globally. Even when I was in college, the Lord started opening up doors to travel overseas. And as a single individual in particular, those opportunities to travel overseas became uh, readily available to me. Easier for a single person to travel. And there were multiple schools around the world that were looking for teachers and good spots. So those, the combination of communicating God's Word, having a, a global perspective. I loved working with college-age students because the Lord did so many things in my own life during those college years that really those things kind of came together. And really has been the mark of my life for the last almost 30 years now. I think you'd said that now for these 30 years, you've been in over 50 countries, and I think you mentioned one particular country you've been in many times. Did you sort of have an idea, you know, as you're launching out in your 20s that you wanted to serve overseas, or is that just how God led you? Yeah, when Sherry and I got married, we had talked 
And I said, I'm willing to go overseas. And that perspective was really thinking toward that. At the same time, felt like I needed a little bit more maturity. And so we went into a church planning situation here in the States. And even during that church plant, every summer, I started traveling overseas. And each, each year, as Jerry and I prayed, we went, Lord, give us an opportunity to spend our life overseas. And what the Lord did, to a certain extent, against my will, uh, he said, Brian, I, I really would love for you to stay in the States, and the Lord opportunity to be involved in multiple Christian universities here in the States. And so my role, more than anything, has been to facilitate young people going overseas. And so I have, have been able to lead about 50 overseas trips for college students. Then mm. being in a university setting and, and in a pastoral setting, having that freedom then to take seven or eight trips a year overseas, and, and again, to be mentoring missionaries that are on the field and be able to teach in various settings where we're training national pastors so that they can do the work of the ministry there. Yeah, man, that's so exciting and thrilling the way that God's taken your gifts and your willingness to serve and use it in really incredible ways. I want to ask you about young people. Maybe before I get there, so lots of trips uh, over 30 years now. What is changing in the world as you see it, and how do you think that affects our mission? What, what doors are open? What doors are closed? Anything that you could share with us on that? Three things come to mind just real quick, even as it relates to change. And the, and the first one is the speed of change. Things are changing just incredibly quickly. Hmm. Even when we speak about countries that are opening and closing, one country, China, was open for many years. And when I say open, you had to be creative as far as access is concerned. But within the last couple of years, it has quickly closed. Tanzania has quickly closed. Turkey is a country that I'm, I'm, I'm deeply burdened for and have visited several times. Ten years ago, fairly open, now almost completely closed. Mm. And so the speed of change from opening to closing, opening, Indonesia is opening up, and North Africa is opening up, and parts of Central Asia are opening up. So it's interesting just to see the speed in which things are happening, which from my perspective just reminds us of when the door is open, we have to seize that opportunity quickly and make an impact as, as the Lord would allow us to. I think another thing that has certainly changed and is part of this opening and closing perspective is that many countries now do not allow traditional missionaries in. As a matter of fact, in a lot of countries, traditional missionaries are actually marked as cultural terrorists Mm -hmm. because they're coming in, they're changing belief systems, and they're trying to change culture. And of course, I think I, I trust that from a missionary perspective, the only cultural elements that we're trying to change are those that are just out of line with God's Word. And there's a lot of beautiful cultures around the world that really shouldn't be changed. Right. Those elements can be embraced, but nonetheless, lots of countries are closing the door to traditional missions. Positively speaking, it's, it's placing upon believers, I think, um, an opportunity for creative mission, for uh, missions that revolve around that, uh, education and medicine and business and those things ultimately focusing on the establishment of indigenous or national churches. And so I think creativity is going to be an important part of what's happening in, in the decades ahead of us. And the last thing I just mentioned by way of change is I, I love the fact that missions is no longer focused on just the Western missionaries that are going out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the great missionary teams that are out there now are combinations of Aussies and South Africans 
and South Americans and Africans and folks from Asia. And the Lord is bringing together, I think, a wonderful blend of missionaries that have access to a lot of locations that just Western missionaries would be limited in. So I think some good things are happening as it relates to change, but I also think some, there's going to be some challenges there that we need to really think through. God used your message and then some of the other messages over the course of the conference in significant ways in in our church. There was a significant movement of God in our young pros, which is our group of college, but mostly single, young singles, professionals, some that work here on our ministry staff. You said a couple of things that I think are significant in there. On Sunday morning, I wrote down this quote. You said, for there to be a fruitful life— there must be a selfless death. Maybe I can ask you a couple questions about that. Maybe what did you mean by that? And then, and then just anything that you would say to, to this group that I think really felt God talking to them in specific ways this week that would maybe encourage them in, in making their lives count. Sure. I think what God's asking us to do is to live a life that is willing to release those natural aspirations. Uh, I think he desires death to self. I don't think that he's stating that we can't have a wonderful marriage and beautiful children and a normal life. But I think he's asking that our lives not demand those gifts Mm. and that our service for him not be contingent upon those gifts. So we can just humbly fall before him and say, Lord, here am I, spend me. And allow the Lord to, like a a, a seed, to spread us wherever he wants to plant us in the ground to disappear so that fruit can come out of our lives in the way that he would see fit. So that, that's, a, that's an important theme for me. I'll build on the young pros, and I'll, I'll just I'll say three quick things. Number one, for those that are, are, are young pros, don't let your perceived restrictions limit your usefulness. When I was late 20s, I wanted to be married, and the Lord hadn't provided that, so I was single. Don't let being single limit your usefulness to God. God can still use you. Sherry and I, in our 30 years of marriage, God has never blessed us with natural children. And some individuals' response to that would be, that, that that's just so sad. And really, what that has done is that's freed us up for service. Uh, if we had children, we wouldn't have been able to travel abroad as much as we've had. Mm-hmm. And so that limitation has actually been something the Lord has done, has used to open up doors for us. So limitations are never limitations from God's perspective. Uh, and weakness he's made strong. My second thing I'd say is, man, connect with a local church. Uh, it, nothing miraculously changes when you get off a plane. You're, you're still the same person you always were. Right. So you got to grow. You got to grow where you are. You got to form friendships. You have to be held accountable. You have to be a gospel witness. And so that relationship with the local church to me is, is just so important there. And then the last thing I say to young professionals is to think outside the box, but within the Bible. Mm. I love young people because they're so creative. Mm-hmm. What they say within the bounds of Scripture, I think they have an energy that, that can change the world. Mm. And I think that's exactly what God wants to do with this generation. Yeah, and I agree too. Man, we want to release them to be everything that God's called them to be in the generation, in the day that we're living. And yeah, that's really, really helpful. Brian, this has been rich. I wish we had more time. Thank you for your time both on Sunday and uh, thank you for your time here today. I know it's going to be an encouragement to our church family and to many others across our island. 
that'll be listening in. We would love to have you come back. We'll, we'll work on that. We can get some more time talking about these things. But thank you for the time today. Thank you so much, Pastor Gary. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, at this point in the program, we always want to personally invite you again to attend Harvest Baptist Church this weekend. Sunday, we have two services, one at 9 a.m. and the other at 11 a.m. You can attend either. The usual COVID-19 safety protocols will be in place. And we will also have a live stream at 9 a.m. Find that on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, Spec Detectives. We hope you'll be there. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.